Merry Christmas. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our newborn King, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. Do you like getting the last word? I think most of us do. In fact, I think some of us here today need to have the last word. If you get the last word in an argument, you feel you've won, don't you? It's like the the kids in the back seat. Am not. Are too. Am not. So the kid who, who gets the last one in before mom tells you to knock it off always has this smug sense of accomplishment, right? Until the other one whispers one final R2 under their breath. But it's not just in arguments that we want the last word. How many cell phone minutes have teenage lovebirds used up saying, you hang up first? No, no, you hang up first. At our house when we put our kids to bed, the last thing we try to say to them each night is, I love you. And it just doesn't feel quite right if the day's last word is anything else. I bet there was even a sense of this in your family's Christmas celebrations, if they've happened already. The kids open up all of their presents, in no particular order for a while maybe, but but we parents like to save the best gifts for what? For last. We bring out the the shiny new bicycle or, or the Barbie playhouse, just when they think they've already gotten everything they're going to get that year. So it's not just pride that always wants to have the last word. Often, so does love. To bring everything to a grand finale, to encapsulate and give lasting meaning to all of the interactions and conversations that have gone before. And that brings us to our text for today from the book of Hebrews, probably not the first book of the Bible you think of on Christmas. But this morning in chapter 1, we heard about how God has been having a loving conversation with his people throughout human history. Once again, here's how Hebrews begins. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. As God spoke to his people, he spoke through the prophets, these special people chosen by God to speak his word. People like Isaiah and Jeremiah, Jonah and Elijah, Deborah and and Zephaniah and, and all the other ayahs. The prophets spoke to God's people in all sorts of ways. They shared oracles and visions. They became living object lessons. They preached the law and the gospel. They healed the sick. And they even raised the dead. Sometimes their words were heeded. Most of the time they were not. They were exiled, beaten, sawn in half. Their earthly fates as varied as their methods of preaching God's word. And yet all of their words spread throughout the millennia were one word. If your house has been anything like ours this past month, there's been a lot of excitement about the the coming birth of Christ and the Christmas celebrations that come along with it. We have this wooden advent calendar that my parents got us a few years back with, with little doors that open up each day to reveal chocolates, just for the kids, unfortunately. 
We also have this other special advent calendar that's magnetic with the numbers um, kind of counting down to Christmas on there and this magnetic star that follows along getting closer to the manger each day. We also have our, our advent wreath on our table with the candles that have been growing kind of dangerously short in recent days. Well, our kids, and I'm guessing yours too this year or or in years past, just could not wait for Christmas to come. And yet the prophets looked forward to the birth of Christ far more than kids look forward to unwrapping those gifts under the tree. They could not wait for Yahweh to fulfill his promises, promises spoken through their own mouths. They could not wait for the Christ, for the coming of the Word who was in the beginning, the one Word of whom each one of them spoke. As my favorite Christmas hymn, probably actually my favorite hymn, says so beautifully of Christ, we got to hear this at our 8 o'clock service today. This is he whom seers in old time chanted of with one accord, whom the voices of the prophets promised in their faithful word. Now he shines, the long expected. Let creation praise its Lord evermore and evermore. The prophets had many and various messages, but in the end, it was all one message, one word, the word of Yahweh. They all spoke that word and spoke of that word who was in the beginning and who would come to be with us that silent night in Bethlehem. They all pointed God's people to the coming of the one who would fulfill all of their prophecies. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Today, we celebrate the birth of our Savior, born to Mary, laid in a manger, worshipped by the shepherds. And that little baby boy is the culmination of every prophecy spoken by God through his prophets. The prophets had spoken about this word all along. They had spoken this word all along. And now here he is in the flesh. At long last, God has brought Jesus, the firstborn, into the world. And this Jesus is the last word. It doesn't get any better than this. There is no one-upping the incarnation of the eternal Son of God, the exact imprint of the Father's nature, the radiance of the glory of God made flesh for us. In the manger, God has spoken to us once and for all. Another one of my favorite Christmas songs puts it this way. There is a light A bright star shining in the dark night, old tales come true. All of our fears, hopes, and prayers he has heard and answered us. Jesus is the final answer, the ultimate solution, the last word of Yahweh spoken to us by the very heart of God. But he was also the first word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, the last Word, was also the first Word. He was in the beginning, the one through whom the Father created the world. Through him all things were made. 
as my favorite Christmas hymn says of him in its first verse, of the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds began to be, he is Alpha and Omega, he the source, the ending he, of the things that are, that have been, and that future years shall see, evermore, evermore. Luther reminds us in his small catechism that Jesus is true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary. The prophets may have spoken long ago, but their word was eternal, because that word was Christ, who created and sustains all things. And that mighty word was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. The author of eternity resting on a bed of hay. Picture that sleeping little baby boy and marvel at these words from Hebrews 1. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And he upholds you. Here in chapter 1, Hebrews teaches us that Jesus is the last word. And and the letter will go on to speak about how this incarnate word of God will be the final, once and for all, sacrifice that makes purification for our sins. What Christmas means is that the eternal God took on your flesh to suffer in it, to redeem it, to rescue you from sin, death, and the devil. Last week, my wife found this wonderful quote by St. Augustine to share on our St. Lawrence Facebook page. Many of you saw that and, and shared it, and I'd like to share it with you again now. Man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep. The way be tired on its journey, that the truth might be accused of false witness, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. The long-awaited Messiah has come, and he is the first and last word. There is nothing beyond Jesus. There can never be. His all-sufficient power sustains creation and sustains you. His all-sufficient blood has provided a purification for sins beyond your wildest imagining. And because our newborn king deigned to be enthroned on the cross, and because he rose from the dead, Satan can say no more against us. There is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, the eternal word of God who took on our human flesh. There's this children's book um, that makes me cry just about every time. My kids long ago ruined this whole kind of manly, unemotional demeanor that I used to try to have. Uh, The book's called Love You Forever. How many of you have read this over the years? Very popular book. Um, Throughout this book, there's this this mother who shares this same song, the same lullaby uh, with her son the whole kind of throughout his life. And, and it goes like this. It says, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. 
So she sings this song to him when, when he's an infant and as he gets a little older and starts causing all sorts of trouble and, and throughout his life, uh, she even sneaks into his bedroom when he's a grown adult to rock him and to sing these words over him. And, and I'll let you decide if that's super sweet or, or just kind of creepy. Um, but the book ends with the son, grown up, uh, rocking his old and sick mother to sleep and then sharing her song of love with his newborn daughter. This song, this word of love, is the last word that this family shares from generation to generation. Now, this book is emotional enough for all of us parents, but, but I recently came across an article about this book and its author, Robert Munch, and I learned that, that years ago, he and his wife suffered not one, uh, but two stillbirths. And so he wrote the song that would come to be in this book for his children whose lives ended before they began. On his website, he says about this song, For a long time, I had it in my head, and I couldn't even sing it. Because every time I tried to sing it, I cried. It was very strange having a song in my head that I couldn't sing. But one day... He suddenly could sing it, and he shared it with the world, and it has become so meaningful to millions of people because of how poignantly and beautifully it encapsulates and gives lasting meaning to a parent's love. Makes me wonder if Mary sang a similar lullaby to Jesus. It makes me wonder if for a long time the angels had their song of Gloria in excelsis in their heads until one day... Christmas Day, they suddenly could sing it and share it with the world. It makes me ponder the love of a father who would give his son to make all of us his children that he will love forever. Jesus is God's word of love to us each night as we drift off to sleep. His word of love at the beginning And at the end, the beginning of creation and the end of the world, from the very first breath you take to your very last, for now, trouble will come. Pain, heartache, suffering, and death. And then, after it all, there will be Jesus. He is the end to every argument the conqueror of the grave, the word of love that makes all things right and bright and new evermore and evermore. The incarnation of Christ, his birth, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension to the right hand of the majesty on high. That is what will have the last word in your life, the final say in your eternity. And so on this Christmas day and every day, May Jesus be God's all-sufficient last word of love to you and to your family from generation to generation. Because long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, 
guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.